it is currently 1 a.m. in the morning, and I am recording this the day before it's posted to the internet. So if I sound exhausted in this podcast, that means that I am. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentle thems. My name is Gary Orlandis Fuqua Jr. Yes, the second bitch, there's a difference. And welcome back to Insert the Drum Roll again, Gary. There you go. The transition period. Yay. Um, welcome to episode two. Um, if you are here, that means that you hopefully listen to episode one on the same day that, uh, well, you, if you're here, that means you just got done listening to episode one. And if you liked it, I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you're, you, it seems like you really liked it because you're back for more. Um, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I really appreciate you for taking the time to listen to my black queer ass ramble um, about bullshit. Um, this episode's going to be a lot different than the first episode. I wanted to post the first episode kind of like as a introduction to myself and also introduction to what like this is going to be. Um, however, I realized I left a lot of things out of the first episode <laughs> that I probably should have mentioned. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and touch on those things uh, beforehand. Something I want to talk about is the promo. I've gotten a lot of mixed reviews about the promo. <laughs> and that's kind of like what I wanted. I wanted the promo to be so undiscernibly one thing. And I also kind of want it to be a little bit jarring. Um, and like some people text me and they was like, Gary, this is scary. Like what, what, what's going on? Um, I am concerned. <laughs> and that's kind of like what I wanted. I wanted that kind of reaction from it. Cause I wanted something to be so striking that it pulled people in more. Um, so like basically I utilized the promo itself to involve a bunch of queer things, a bunch of worldly things, a bunch of like cultural, cultural society based things. Um, and also things that happen in within the intersections of my identity uh, to build a platform off of what this podcast is going to be about. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about we're not leaving this pandemic anytime soon because I, I just heard that like the second or like something is it's COVID-19 is becoming more transmittable, which means that like it's going to be like uh, 70 percent raised transmission, uh, whatever, which scares the shit out of me, which basically just tells me that we're never going to go outside ever again <laughs> you know so if you want to have a hot girl summer that's not going to be it's going to be a hot piece of shit for you sis um that's not happening um but anyway like i was saying basically i wanted to add in implements of like things that are going on in our world today and also uh tie that into like how does that work within gary's day-to-day life and also the life of other people um, so like, that's what I kind of wanted to utilize the promo for. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, I mean, like if you're, people are saying that it was scary, that means that it did its job. It, it did its job. Um, but another thing I want to talk about is the, uh, my cover art for this podcast. <laughs> I love it. I personally, like I, I've had this weird obsession with like black and white recently and with like red lipstick in particular and like, Okay. It's, it should be very obvious. Okay. The logo is supposed to be a face. Okay. There's a mustache. I have a mustache. And then there's a red lip. That That's my femme side. It's like my femme and my mask sides, my identity coming together to produce this piece of shit podcast. 
<laughs> um, hopefully that makes sense. And then the red, the period is it's it's a period. Yes, not like period, not menstruation. I like. I feel like I have built up a platform of uh, promoting this show to where like people see that red dot and think menstruation, but that's not the case. I, I, I'm not making fun of menstruation. I'm not like trying to make a a platform based off of periods, which I mean, that's just not my place to do that because I don't have periods. So why would I do that? Um, it's supposed to be a clown nose because clown noses are red because I call myself the big old clown. I love clownery. I love foolery. I, foolery, I love fuck shit. Um, and it's also supposed to act as like an actual period, like at the end of the set, at the end of a sentence. So, and like the whole rainbow, uh, Philadelphia pride flag, uh, for the logo. And then, uh, you know, the red lip and the mustache. So yeah, that's basically me explaining the method to my fucked up madness. Um, hopefully that makes sense. And I hope you guys enjoy it because I, that, that, that cover art in particular took a lot of creative action for me like i had to really brainstorm and like if i could put myself in what i want this podcast to be in an image what would it be so like hopefully (laughs) you all like it it's gonna be our uh cover art for a while now probably for like however long um until i feel like and this is not fitting for me anymore um but yeah welcome to episode two in this episode i wanted to get into more pop culture related things so let's go ahead and get started with our first topic first up i wanted to talk about rupaul's drag race season 13 it it, there's been 13 seasons not even only 13 there have been so many seasons of like just drag race monolithic um like, th- what am I trying to say? There's been a lot of Drag Race. A lot, a lot of Drag Race. And not only RuPaul's Drag Race. There's been All-Stars. There's been UK. There's been Holland. There's been Canada. There's been Thailand. Uh, super secret celebrity Bukaki session Drag Race. Uh, what else? Fucking Holorusical Merry Christmas bullshit. There's been a lot of drag queens on our TV screens. Uh, and it's a bit unbearable, honestly. I feel like they just need to take a break from Drag Race. But honestly, like knowing rupaul knowing how much rupaul loves money that's not going to happen anytime soon um but yes this is the 13th season i would go over the uk season two cast but honestly i haven't i haven't even really watched any of any of their shits um and that's no she no shade um i like i like lemon jenny jenny lemon i think that's her name and i like um taste she's gorgeous and i like uh jet black and the one that was wearing red whichever one was wearing red i those are my the four i liked and i like the girl in brown just because she's black because i root for everybody black um but i'm going to be going into the cast of season 13 of rupaul's drag race and disclaimer i've watched rupaul's drag race ever since ever since uh like season four when i was back in like fucking middle school and shit so like i've watched rupaul's drag race for a very long time i remember i would switch uh channels whenever i would hear my parents walking past my room because i would be watching uh season four and everything like uh uh, literary royale literally built my confidence at such a young age like seeing like this big black queer person being so confident and so like sure of themselves really helped me with my confidence especially in middle school with fucking middle schoolers are so fucking mean like I, i needed that i needed that representation but anyway going into season 13 and also i don't i i don't uh i don't align with rupaul's beliefs um 
I, I watch the show for the drag queens. I don't watch it for RuPaul, um, just to make that very clear. And I know that's hard because he is the host of the show, but, you know. Um, so going into this, I'm going to start with the Meet the Queens, and then I'm going to talk about the first 10 minutes that uh, they released. I think it was on Monday of this week with Candy Muse and Joey J. But I'm going to go ahead and go through the cast and give you my thoughts about them. Denali. I like Denali. She seems really cute. She, I, I liked her promo look. I didn't like the wig that much. Um, I, th- I like, I, 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 th- I thought it was cute for what it was, but like, I didn't like. The, I feel like they could have had a different wig. I don't know what kind of wig would have went with that outfit though, because I, I mean, like, I've only done drag for like two, literally two seconds. So like, I, what the fuck do I know? I mean, so, I mean, anyone that can get up on this bitch and do what they got to do, I applaud you. But like, I, the wig was a little bit weird for me. Her Meet the Queens seemed very genuine. I, she seemed very, very confident. And I love seeing drag queens that are affirming themselves and confident. Cause like, your Meet the Queens is like, you're selling yourself to us. You're selling yourself to America and the world. So I mean, like, you're going to talk yourself up. Definitely. Um, so she seemed very confident. I liked her. I mean, as far as placement, I don't really know where she's going to go. I mean, like, I see her making it near the end because she seems like she has her shit together. Um, Elliot with two T's. Um, cute. Uh, I, I didn't really too much care for her. I mean, it's nothing personal. Like, this is nothing personal. This is totally based off of what I've thought during the Meet the Queens. And, like, she just, she, hers didn't strike me personally. Um... I mean, like, I'm sure she. we're going to get to the show. I'm going to love her. Like, for instance, Crystal Method, I did not like her that much based off the uh, Meet the Queens last year, but then I ended up loving her. Same thing with Jackie Cox. Um, you know, so I mean, like, I'm probably going to end up loving these queens on the show, but like their Meet the Queens just aren't my favorite. Um, Gottmik. Oh, my God. I love Gottmik. They are sickening. I love them. And I believe that their pronouns in drag are they them because they alluded to themselves or he alluded to their drag performance character as using they them pronouns in the uh, Meet the Queens. So like, uh, yeah, Gottmik, they are the first trans man to uh, compete on RuPaul's Drag Race. I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, I feel like that should have happened a long ass motherfucking time ago. I feel like this this is the thirteenth season and this is just now happening. Um, you know, uh, their look was incredible. Probably one of the best promo looks to ever be on Drag Race, in my personal opinion. I really, really enjoyed it. It was very put together. That big ass fucking crystallized Kennedy Davenport esque <laughs> bouffant that they had. I I loved it. Um, I really, really like Gottmik. Uh, they seemed very confident and very, uh, sure of themselves. Um, I'm excited to see what they bring to Drag Race, because, like, I, with, with a promo look like that, they're definitely going to be serving, like, some really, really sick-ass runways, so I'm excited. Joey J. Um... I kind of agree with um, sibling rivalry, sibling rivalry, um, Monet Exchange and Bob the Drag Queens podcast when they were talking about Joey J and they were kind of like she was cute, but she kept on talking about the fact that she didn't wear wigs. Like that was just the one thing to me. Like I was just like, okay, you don't wear wigs, great. What else? You know, it kind of same felt like that, and also like I don't know, I just didn't vibe. Well, I'm going to talk about the first episode, the first ten minutes after this, but like, I just did not vibe that much with their like energy. 
it just I don't know. There's something about their energy that she did not truly care for. Um, they seem like cool. Like I mean, like everyone fucking loves them on social media because apparently out of drag, he's very very hot. You know, because if you're white and cis and have muscles, the girls will flood their basements for you. You know, get all moist down there. But anyway, um, I mean, yeah, and I'll I'll get more to Joey J later. But anyway, Kamora Hall, Kamora Hall. Excuse me. Gorgeous. So freaking pretty. Like, her, I put her up there with plastique. They look so extremely gorgeous. Like, it's crazy how beautiful this queen was. Um, I like their Meet the Queens. Their outfit was so good. And I also hate that they couldn't wear their mask. They had a mask that said, I am not a virus, which has been like a recent tagline for Asian descent people that are going through the pandemic, having to deal with... uh brutal brutal macro aggressions due to uh you know uh the coronavirus and things like that um so i really like that and i feel like that could have been a great representation for so many asian queer kids um however i understand why she couldn't wear it um i didn't really think that much about it because i mean like i felt like it was more so like production just wanted them wanted to see her face not it wasn't anything like about like oh you can't wear this because of what it says i think it was more so like you can't wear a mask because if you wear a mask, everyone else has to wear a mask and like, we have to see who you are. And you know I mean? So like, I didn't think that much about that, but like, I really enjoy the meet the Queens. I think that they're going to go kind of far in the, in the competition. I, I just really enjoyed their energy. Candy muse. When I tell you, I am a candy muse stan. Okay. Here's the thing. Pre drag race. I, like, I had a feeling that candy muse was going to get on drag race at some point. Cause I followed them on social media for a while now. And like on social media, they're very, very like, like that in that way. If that makes sense. Like they're very like not combative, but they're, they have a very prominent, uh, social media presence. And, and like, I didn't really vibe with every single thing that they would do and say on social media. However, like, I, I appreciate them as a drag queen, especially I support all bigger, fatter drag queens. Um, Candy Muse is just the personality is overflowing. The charisma is overflowing. She did not come to play. Like she is, does she, she is that the right way to say that? She kind of, she's good. I like her a lot. She's made, she made me laugh. Her charisma was through the charts, off the charts, whatever the analogy is. I really, really vibed with her. That promo look was sick. I loved her promo look a lot. And like in the first 10 minutes, I liked her even more, but we'll get to that. La La Re. You know, I had high hopes. <laughs> I had high hopes for La La because, like, I knew, like, it leaked, like, the day before the cast was announced that, like, La La was going to be on the cast because, like, she was in, like, the promo or that leaked or whatever. However, like, just watching the her meet the queens, it was just like, girl, <laughs> it was just like she didn't believe in herself at all. Like, it was just it was kind of like a situation where it's just like you're this is kind of like sort of like a job interview i feel like you're selling yourself to america and to like the world that like this is i am here to play i'm america's next superstar and here's why and all she said basically was just like i'm not ready i'm just here you know and i just didn't really get i mean i'm sure i'm gonna enjoy her because i root for every black queen um but i just i just didn't really care for her um olivia lux uh beautiful absolutely precious and beautiful like that look with that fucking curly ass annie looking afro um with that big uh 
fucking uh, train, uh, Marie Antoinette train hip thing. I don't know what it's called. There's a name for it. It's, it's leaving me right now. But that was beautiful. Her promo look was absolutely beautiful. And she seemed like she was so excited to be there. Like, she seemed like she was so happy to be a part of Drag Race. And, like, I feel like I feel like I'm going to really enjoy seeing her this season. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited for her. Um, Rosé. Uh, I liked her. I mean, I didn't really... It's kind of like Elliot with two T's. Like, I didn't really care much for her. I know she's a singer. I know I know who she is because of Jan from last season. Uh, but she seemed cool. I mean, I, I really didn't... Like, she didn't have a lasting impression on me personally. Um, but I, I, she seemed cool. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so, oh my gosh. Simone. Winner. Uh, Simone will win this competition. Simone will win this competition. I'm saying it again. Simone will win this competition, and I'm going to come back to this episode at, with a soundbite when she does finally get crowned. Because that bitch... Oh my god. That 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 promo look. I think about it literally every day. Like, that is so black. That promo look was so black. Like, with the fucking polo, kind of like tie thing, with the bra, and this big fucking, like, a formation, world tour-esque braided up uh circular uh thing on top of her head i don't want to say thing but like you know what i mean like this big braided hairpiece beautiful with ebony enchantress in it and her name in it in these gold hoops and she had a grill in and then like she had a pa- that bitch had a panty a pair of boxers and some low-rise pants on bell-bottom pants on and that pose, bitch, in the promo. <sighs> Her promo look fucked me up, y'all. Like, I, I was genuinely... I was perturbed for, for quite some time just based off her promo look alone. Like, that is how you show who you are. Like, I got exactly who she was based off her promo look. And that's so smart. And like, oh my god. And I feel like she's about to be black as hell. And I'm like, we need another, like, just unapologetically black queen... Um, like I know Shay just won, but like I, I like I we need another one. Oh my god. And like her Meet the Queens, I really vibed with her. She was so country. And I think maybe it was because she kinda had like a lisp because she had that um grill in. But like she was so country and like I lived for it. Like I was like, you Southern Belle, but with this like look to match it. I love her. She's gonna win. She's gonna win. Tamisha Iman. I really liked her. I, I People have been sleeping on her on social media because I feel like people don't take older... Well, let me call it what it is. People don't take older black queens seriously. People didn't take Kennedy seriously when we first got introduced to Kennedy. People didn't take uh, Jasmine Master seriously. Like It's kind of like if you're old, older pageant queen-esque appearing queen, people aren't going to take you seriously. But like... Tanisha Amon, she's from Birmingham, Alabama, I believe. Uh, or I think, I believe she is a queen originally from Birmingham, Alabama. I'm pretty sure. And now she's in Atlanta. And she's Lala Ree's, uh drag drag mother. And it's like, it's weird because I'm more excited for Tamisha than I am for Lala Ree. Um, Anyway. Tamisha Amon, I loved her in her, uh, her, she seems so like cute and professional and just so, like, she's just like, I'm here and I know I'm here. And I'm excited to be here. Like, I really loved, I, I vibed a lot with her energy. And I'm excited to see um, 
who she is and how she is and what her renoes look like and like get to learn more about her. In the promo we saw that she had just like fought off cancer. I believe that's what she said in her promo or something like that. And I was like, that's so interesting. Like like to be like what a badass. What a badass bitch to like go through something like that and still be here to kick ass. Like I I'm here for it. So I'm rooting for Tamisha Amon. Tina Burner. I am shocked that they let her on television with this name. <laughs> I am. I'm truly shocked that they let her on television with this name because for for all the people at home that don't know, I don't know if it's a only a queer community thing, but like T or Tina stands for meth. Or is it crack cocaine? It's some hard drug. I think it's meth. I'm pretty sure it's meth. Methamphetamines. Um and the basically her name is Meth Burner. Like I do meth, basically, which is a it's a punny name. But I mean, like if they can let fucking Sharon Needles on and Crystal Method, if they can let those names on television, they can let Tina Burner on television, I guess. Um, As far as as far as a person, I mean, she she, I have known about her drag name for a long time, but it wasn't very striking to me. This and this uh, Meet the Queens, actually. I mean, I mean, hmm. I mean, she, she's there, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> and last but not least is Utica. I have mixed feelings about this queen. I I like her, and I get very like kooky queen vibes from her because I mean that's basically what she said she was. And I love, first of all, I loved her promo look. I thought that was so clean and sleek and so creative. Um, but her as like how she presented herself, I was just like, okay, that's a lot. <laughs> That's coming from me. Um, but like, I'm excited to watch her. I think that she's going to be interesting. I feel like she's also going to be someone that makes us, that's going to make it to the end. Um, so yeah, that's the cast. Um, I'm excited to see them. And, um, let me get briefly on this first 10 minutes because I've been talking about the drag race for way too long. Um, and I'm going to try my best to put timestamps in the description, uh, for how long I, I talk about shit. Okay. So, the first 10 minutes, Candy Muse walks in and I love Candy Muse's look. I love Candy Muse's everything. Um, and I just immediately start living for her. And then like, she starts talking about Aja and like all that. I mean, honestly, people got, took that way too fucking far on social media. Like they were tweeting her and being like, you shouldn't talk about Aja. It's like, she knows the bitch. Like she knows Aja. Uh, she knows, uh, she knows them personally. You don't, you know Aja based off of what you saw of them on a TV show. So like, chill out and also like i don't understand why people take this shit so seriously it's a fucking tv show it's this but um yeah she's walked in she's real cute confident all that i live for candy um and then joey J walks in <laughs> wearing a wig <laughs> and that's the thing it's like in your promo like you talk so much about wearing your natural hair which is that faux hawk bouffant thing and then she comes in wearing this wig and i was just like okay well you lied. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but like she, I, I just was very turned off by her. <laughs> and I hope I didn't sound like I'm racist, not, not racist, but prejudiced against white Queens. But like, I just, I, I just got like, I was just like, Oh my God, you're trying really hard to seem like something. And it's, it just felt so generic. It didn't feel genuine. And that's the whole way through the entire 10 minutes. I was just like, Oh my God, can she please be herself? Um, so they come in, they meet each other, they're told to go to the main stage because it's time to lip sync, bitch, and if they one of them loses, uh, they go home immediately. I felt like that, it was the gag, that, that's so, like, imagine being in that space where, like, 
you just get into Drag Race after probably years of auditioning, and you immediately have to lip sync against a queen that you just met and win. And if you don't win, you immediately have to turn around and leave. Um, based off that lip sync alone, I feel like Candy won it. Um, but honestly, the, uh, based off their teasers and whatever, they all have runway looks too. So like, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be like a runway and a lip sync challenge. And they're going to base whoever goes home based off that. I don't know. I have no clue how this is going to work. I mean, if 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 if, if someone does go home, I want it to be Joey Dre just because I I'm, I already can't can't deal. Um, but yeah, that's how I feel about Drag Race. I'm probably going to be giving more in depth uh discussions about how I feel about Drag Race uh later on in the season is how like as the season progresses. Um, yeah. Uh, next, I would like to go into Ma Rainey's vs. Black Bottom. <laughs> that's what I've been calling it on Twitter. Like, it's, it's just, a, I think that's my, that's my name on Twitter, too. It just felt so funny to me. Um, but let's get into it. Ma Rainey's vs. Black Bottom. It can be found on Netflix. Um, I personally, when this was first even announced, I was extremely excited to hear about this and to see this. Uh, it, like it just seems so good, and plus it was Chadwick Boseman's uh, "May He Rest in Peace." It still hurts my soul, but um, this is his last film, um, and it takes place in Chicago in 1927. And basically, the plot is well, spoil. First of all, spoiler alert, which I mean, like, I'll I'll put time markers in the description as well. But like, if you haven't seen it, it's been out for a couple days, girl. Um, but if you haven't seen it and you still want to see it, um, I you I will give you time now to skip ahead to the next time marker. So you can miss this spoiler. Great. Hopefully they're gone. Um, but basically it's about like um, a recording session with Ma Rainey. Um, and basically it's just how a recording session goes to hell. Literally. Um, fabulous people in this film. Um, Viola Davis, who is, Viola Davis is literally that bitch. Like I have, this is probably one of the, her, my, one of my favorite performances uh, from her. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, like I said, uh, just so many different um, incredible performers in this, like Coleman Domingo, uh, like so many great people in this, in this, uh, in this film. So basically um, I, okay. It's, it's an August Wilson play. And I, being a theater person, I don't know why I have the, I've, I've read the monologue. I've read Levy's monologue, but I have never fully read Marini's Black Bottom. And I feel like I did a disservice to myself for not going ahead and reading this because like, it's like, I watched this shit and I was like, Levy is literally a dream role now. Like, I want to play him ext- like yesterday. Like, oh my God. And like Chadwick Boseman's portrayal of Levy was so real and so honest and so like jarring. And so like, I, I mean, like I could kind of tell towards the end that he, Levy was starting to like lose his mind a bit. Um, and it wasn't even with the whole like uh, God, uh, God kiss my ass kind of whole uh, piece that he had with uh, who was a Cutler. Yeah, it was Cutler. Um. But it was just like, um, he was just, people would, they would all rag on him and like how he was having this whole meaningful monologue about like growing up and having to deal with white people and like what happened to his mother 
and how he had to basically grow up so fast was like so honest and like from that point on i was like okay that's his significance you know what i mean um i could say it's also this is also one of those films where it's like you can tell that it's like meant to be for you know it's meant to be for the stage and not for the screen because a lot of the dialogue was just like very like cut to cut to cut to you know what i'm saying um, I mean, like it worked for the, for the screenplay format, it worked. But I like, I was like, I can tell that this is supposed to be a player, you know, and not like a stage play, not like a screenplay. Um, but I didn't really too much care about that. Um, yeah, there's so many dynamics. Like, I did not know that Ma Rainey was had a like was bisexual. I didn't know that she had like it was in a gay relationship. And like when when Viola Davis started, you know. Uh, when, when well, I'm gonna try to speak of them from the character names. When Ma Rainey had that whole scene with Dusty May, I was like, oh, oh, okay. okay. I didn't know it was like that, and it was odd to me. Well, this is not, not like, well, I mean, I don't know how historically accurate accurate this is, but like, it was it was kind of re- like refreshing to see like, um, that dynamic be so like socially acceptable around like the band members, like how when um. Levy had that whole affair scene with Dusty May, which first of all, Chadwick and uh, what's her what's her name Taylor Page, y'all did that, sis. That scene, it's very hard to make such scenes look very realistic and very like well, like like it's earned. And I felt like that was a very earned scene. I felt like it was very very great work. That theatrical in- intimacy was totally like it was spot on. I thoroughly enjoyed it um and not even really for sexual reasons i i thought that it was just a very beautifully beautifully like cinematography was beautiful like the intentions of between the actors were beautiful all that but like it was i was not refreshing to see like how um desi may and ma rainey's uh relationship was like treated and handled with care and like how she kind of treat ma rainey kind of treated her more so it was kind of like a it was not a motherly kind of thing but it was just kind of like like when she was up at the microphone and like pretending to sway and sing and stuff like that, like Maureen kind of snapped at her. And I think it was because it's coming from a place of like, I don't want people to see you the way I see you. Like you're mine in a sense. Um, which I mean, like it kind of sounds like when you say it like that, it sounds like, you know, manipulative, but you know, who knows? Um, the ending. Wow. The ending fucked me up, sis. Like, I, like I knew like I once once um I think it was was it Mr. Irving? No, Mr. Irving. It was uh Stutter 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 Stuttervent. I think that's his name. Stuttervent. Um when he basically rejected Levy's songs and was talking about paying him five dollars, which was five dollars really in that time five dollars really wasn't shit compared to what Ma Rainey was getting for her shit. No. Like that really was nothing compared to like that wasn't anything. Like, Levy couldn't even get shit with that. You know what I mean? Um, but then that man offered him that $5 from them damn, um, from the, from them damn songs and, like, to take them off of his hands. And you knew, we all know why he wanted to take them off his hands. Like, we saw this shit in Hairspray. So, I mean, um, and he was just, like, kind of rejected. And, like, you could see, like, Chadwick was such a gifted actor because you can see, like, that click. That was the breaking straw. And then when, um, who was it? Toledo. When Toledo stepped on his, uh, stepped on his shoes, that was just the moment. That was, that was the breaking point. That was the breaking point. Like, I thought, like, it was, I thought it was a bit much when him and Cutler had that whole scene about God. Um, I thought that was going to be a breaking point, but like this, that was a, 
Like he was calmly like, why'd you step on my shoes? Why'd you step on my shoes? And then when he stabbed Toledo in the damn back, that was it. And this, it was silence. Slow drag didn't do anything. Cutler didn't do anything. It was just silence. And like, Levy just stayed there with his body. And I feel like all that pent up aggression was the aggression that he wanted to use to those white men that um, assaulted his mother. You know, it's, yeah, it was just like, oh my God, I want to direct this play now. I want to direct this play. Like George, George Wolf, you put your puss in this sis. Like this was a damn good show. Like, oh my God, this is a damn good movie. This was such a good movie. The cat, this is perfectly cast. And also I didn't really talk about, um, what was his name? Sylvester. Uh, he was a kid with a, uh, the stutter. Um, I really enjoyed his character. I was rooting for him. Like when they had that first damn recording where he finally got it right. And then like miraculously, they didn't have his fucking, um, they knew that they gave that nigga that badass chord to that damn mic. They knew they didn't want that shit on that damn song. That's what pisses me off. And Ma Rainey had everything damn right. And also, what I, I didn't even talk about Viola Davis that much. Watching Viola Davis act in this film was like a masterclass in acting. Like, it was so freaking good. I, like, she, oh my God, I want to meet her so bad. Because, like, I, there's, I feel like there's so much to learn from her. Like, she's so smart. And, like, she makes some of the most simplistic choices. But they're so good. And, oh, my God. Like, I couldn't. Oh, my God. I just, I, I, I live for it. I live for it. I live for it. Wonderful film. Wonderful film. There was a lot of controversy surrounding uh, Viola Davis in the fat suit. And I kind of wanted to touch on that. Um... Coming from me and my fat body, and I don't speak for all fat people. I personally did not think a whole lot about it. That being said, they easily could have gotten an actual fat actress, fat actress, fat performer to play this role. That's just me. However, they knew that this shit was going to get clicks. And all that shit, because Viola Davis's name is in it. Chadwin Boseman's name is in it. Like they needed those names to get this. Because, like, honestly, if there's if there was, sadly, if these were nobody ass people that nobody really know like that, who would be watching the shit? I mean, I probably still watch it because I like August Wilson play. I'm there, but like, no, yeah, you know I'm saying so. Like, I didn't think a whole lot about it, and I honestly didn't think that like. When I first heard that Viola Davis was going to be in a fat suit, I was expecting, like, some, like, fucking mockery uh, caricature of a fat black woman. It wasn't even, like, I couldn't even really tell. Was she even in a fat suit? I don't believe she was in a fat suit. I think she just gained weight for this role. I could be wrong. I need to check my sources, and I apologize for not doing that beforehand. However, like, I did not think much about it, but I understand people's frustration and aggression because, um, not even more so aggression, just their concern with it. Um, because I feel like a lot of times, fuck conventionally attractiveness in that, that whole rhetoric, but like, conventionally attractive, uh, talent wise, uh, stardom wise, people get these placed in these roles when new opportunities could get made for new actors so that can boost their careers. You know what I'm saying? Like, like even on Broadway, you see in Mean Girls when fucking Cameron Dallas gets put in the shit when literally people go to school and train for this shit for years just to get opportunities like that. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't know. I personally didn't think that much about it because I love Viola, Viola Davis's performance uh, regardless, but like, I totally 
100% understood her like the concern with it um but that was my thoughts i definitely recommend all of you to go watch it if you haven't already watched it um it's an incredible film you will 100% love it it may it fucked me up for like a good 20 minutes i had to go fucking meditate and all this shit and also the top the the whole i, I don't want to spoil it anymore but like the whole thing with like god like that's that, that, that's a conversation i want to have on this podcast by myself but like i resonated so much with levy like so much in that moment like when you've been through so much shit you feel like nothing of a higher power is really there for you and you start to like all the people that see this shit you're just like no that's not there but they didn't understand that it's the selfishness that comes with own like organized religion i don't know very incredible film very very incredible film. i could probably thought i could talk about this shit for like hours and hours and hours um Another hot topic uh, that I uh, that happened within the past couple weeks was Cupcake literally dissing the entire game. I'm not going to talk about this too long because honestly, I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> um, so basically, Cupcake released this song um, where she basically called out so many people. Um, what I took issue with was her joking about Megan the Stallion's uh, like whole entire thing with Tory Lanez. I felt like that was a bit tacky and I also didn't really care much for um, Lizzo's line in the song. I feel like that's like why we got to fat phobia is so tacky. And also like there was a colorless colorist line in there and it was just like, okay, girl, you're better than that. Like I know she's such a better writer than that because honestly, I have fucked with Cupcake shit for so long. Like I fucked with Cupcake back when she was uh, rapping about vaginas and deep throat and shit like that. Like, she actually writes really great raps, but people only look fuck with her when she talks about off-the-wall crazy shit. So, anyway. Um, but Suki Hana um, took offense to it, girl, and she wrote a song herself about uh, for herself and basically just coming out of Cupcake, talking about her fucking mother and shit, and, you know, just fucking, fucking going nuts. And then Cupcake came back with this fucking rude-ass diss track about um how i guess sukihana can't suck dick I, I don't i don't know she throwing up and shit like i said i don't really too much give a shit about this like i it felt like it felt like niggas doing shit to do shit like i mean cupcakes still gonna be cupcakes sukihana's still gonna be sukihana megan's still gonna be making money i'm still gonna be broke like this grass is green the sky's blue moving on something i did want to talk about today because i'm recording this on the early 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 morning of december 31st Let's talk about these damn stimulus checks, y'all. Okay. Um, I will admit, I am not very, very literate about stimulus checks and how they work and all these things. Um, because, you know, these weren't things I was taught in high school. Um, however, I just don't... I... My main worry comes from... Comes with Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. <laughs> or I like to call him Bitch McConnell. I... I have never possessed like so much hatred f- for one man in my life. Like this, this Prince toadstool looking ass nigga. Uh, like it's, it, I don't, un- I hate our government y'all. Like I hate the fact that all of us were snubbed from some good fucking money or the good money to me at least because of this rat face ass man. But you know what? We really do need to give Mitch McConnell his tens. We need to give him a round of applause. And let me tell you why. Mitch McConnell gave one of the finest performances in Tales, Tales of the Crypt. 
You know what I mean? When he turned around that damn chair and said, good evening, that, that, that top tier, like Viola Davis couldn't even touch that shit. Like that nigga. So I, you know, I give a little bit of a round of applause. Cause girl, you did, you, you were a part of my nightmares at a young age and he doesn't even know it. So like fabulous performance from you and your frog neck ass. Um, but no, I don't like to wish death upon any human being. That's not my character. However, now let me stop because I'm not about to get no fucking secret service at my damn door and I'll be sitting up there looking a damn fool. Um, but yeah, fuck Mitch McConnell. Um, I, the fact is like people are about to start losing their homes. It's about to get real bad, y'all. And COVID-19 cases are rising by the minute. The cases in Alabama are shit. And they're going to send us a measly fucking $600? Shit, that's some people's rent. And I... I'm sick of this shit, y'all. I'm sick of it. Moving on um, to my uh, final topic. Um, uh, It is with a heavy heart that I have to put Tiffany Pollard on the sick and shut-in list. Um, uh, It's something I did not want to do. It's something I didn't think I would have to do. Um, It hurts my heart. So, on Twitter... Actually, yesterday, December 30th, um, uh, Tiffany Pollard, people kept on talking about Tiffany Tiffany Pollard on my timeline. And I was just like, what's what's going on? Like, what's she do? Uh, What's going on? You know, did she say something about somebody? Uh, Trigger warning, transphobia. She was on some fuck. I didn't even fully do research on it because I immediately was just like, "Okay, fuck this girl. Um, Not not the not the trans woman she was talking to. I'm talking about. um, talking about her um but like i didn't even want to fully go into it because it was so, the transphobia in it was so disgusting so basically tiffany pollard was on this show where she, uh, she's hosting some shit i don't know honestly i don't really keep up with tiffany pollard like that last time i saw her she was talking to tricks me telling about the drag queen so i don't even know what she's doing emo and talking about how the, the state of islam with her dumb ass um she was talking to this trans woman and being very disgusting when she was talking about her genitalia and talking about like saying very transphobic things, which I will not repeat. Um, the video is like lingering around Twitter, but trigger warning, it is very triggering for probably my trans brothers and sisters and um, everyone else in between. So like, please watch with caution, but it just hurt. It hurt my heart. Y'all it truly, truly hurt my heart. Because Tiffany Pollard, you know damn well the gays and, you know, like the LGBTQ plus community has fed you and your damn pockets, sis, for well over a decade. So it is disrespectful as fuck for you to get up in somebody's face, to get up in the face of a black trans woman. You know what's going on in the world concerning black trans women. You know how they're dying at a harmful disgusting rate and you're gonna sit before a black trans woman or i don't even know if she was trans i feel like she was just being transphobic and saying transphobic shit but you're gonna spew that kind of transphobic rhetoric knowing the kind of world that we live in like knowing good and damn well that the queer people have fed you in your damn nigger ass pockets for the past like umpteenth number of years ever since you got fucking spit on by that white bitch and you're gonna get up there and say some shit like that like that it it and like I was I was a big fan of Tiffany Pollard. Like I loved her. I watched her on Celebrity Big Brother. I watched all of her spin-offs as horrible as they were. No Tino Shade, no Pink Lemonade. 
I was a fan of her. So for her to do something like this, I'm sorry, sis. Actually, I'm not too sorry because I stand with my own identity before I stand up for you. Um, I got to put you on the second certain list. I probably won't be able to come visit you. You know what I mean? You might just, you might have to spend New Year's by yourself, sis. I, I don't know. I'm not bringing you no damn black eyed peas. I'm, I'm not doing that. And I'm going to make sure I wash my clothes on the first day of the year just for your ass. Um, Tiffany Pollard, you try that. Um, I, I am. <sighs> this sucks, y'all. Because I really genuinely did appreciate Tiffany Pollard. But I, I can't stand with somebody that says shit like that and some people were like well what if it's scripted what if it's scripted hell it's her fucking show she signed the goddamn contract yes and i know contracts can be binding but if you knew she literally sat across from drag queens i'm sure she's met numerous trans women in her life like but i mean also at the same tip i mean back in 2005 this bitch was saying shit like how delicious looks like a man and all this type of shit. She was, so she's been spewing transphobic rhetoric, but like not saying that transphobia was like permittable in 2005. Cause like, it, it's not okay regardless, but like it was e- <sighs> saying shit like that. Wouldn't, isn't canc wasn't cancelable, cancelable, which I don't believe in cancel culture. I think it's fucking stupid, but like stuff like that wouldn't get you fucked up or get your ass chewed out back then but like now and today in 2020 and like this is a recent fucking clip from whatever fucking shows he's doing like she knew what she was doing and she willingly let that shit exit her mouth and the way she went about it was so disgusting go watch the video if you want to watch the video um (sighs) tiffany i hope somebody else spit on your ass and it might be me um goodness uh but that's all i have <laughs> this week in our like uh pop culture section I'm, I'm gonna try to find a name for this the pop culture period something like that i don't know something cute some something like with pizzazz i don't know we'll, we'll we'll figure it out we'll figure it out um but i wanted to go into my uh i told I, I totally said in the last episode that I wasn't going to do a weekly obsession because I just did one. So it's still my dog coffee, but also like to go back to cupcake as much as I don't give a fuck about this beef shit. Um, discounts has to be one of the best songs ever written, like ever written. Like I put it up there with fucking don't stop believing and all that shit. Like bitch, no one is seeing discounts by cupcake right now that song is one of the that shit get me so bitch i worked out earlier and i listened that song came on and like i just had to run a little bit faster like I, it just got me it got my adrenaline pumping is if you haven't heard the song it's an incredible record i cupcake stick to doing that shit stop talking about folks because um, girl i'm uh, just stop because i don't want to i don't want to have to put your ass on the stick and straight in list too like i'm not excusing what the fuck you said in that damn song you, that was tired and late but like girl girl but like discounts is a crapple song i i live for it getting into the end of our program i want to go into our weekly bi-weekly still figuring it out our affirmation this affirmation is by simone biles um who is the baddest bitch of all time like the shit that she can do with her body like i bitch i can barely even roll over in bed sometimes and she can do all this flip flip about uh leg turnover apple turnover um shit like i I, incredible incredible um but anyway this week's affirmation um something that's been on my mind a lot is my body image 
And it's also something that, like, I admittedly, I struggle with my body, I'm, as most people probably do. Um, it, recently, I've gotten back into dating, and I've gotten back into dating apps, and, like, I did not, I forgot how genuinely fatphobic um, the queer community can be. Like, some of the shit that I've been told and been, has been said about me, to about my body, the body that I possess, has just been absolutely disgusting. And, like, it gets me down, not gonna lie, and it makes me feel, like, insecure. But also, I gotta remember that, like, my body is a vessel for me. My body is something that I should cherish and I shouldn't allow people who aren't me to give me overarching opinions about my body. You know what I'm saying? I shouldn't let I shouldn't allow words and things that people say about my body to hold that much weight. You know what I'm saying? So this affirmation has to do with that. And hopefully this helps anybody that's having uh, similar feelings like I'm feeling. Um, here we go. I was built this way for a reason, so I'm going to use it. I was built this way for a reason, so I'm going to use it. I was built this way for a reason, so I'm going to use it. And that's by Simone Biles. That really, really, really resonates with me. I'm going to start adding it to my... um, to my affirmations that I say to myself in the mirror, uh, because I really need to start, bitch. Like, imagine me boohooing butt ass naked in the mirror, saying, <laughs> you know. But really, that's like you really. I I need to get more in touch with my own self and my affirm my affirmness in my own skin and my body because I'm starting to lose that. Like too many people's words and things I say to me, like I shouldn't let niggas on. I shouldn't let niggas on grinder hold that much weight over my weight like dead ass like but um it, you know it's a process we're all working and I'm, I'm i'm doing the best i can today so i just gotta give myself a little bit of a little bit of grace a little bit of grace but um wow this has been the second episode of drum roll <laughs> the transition period yay um thank you so much if you listened these full almost fuck Oh my God, 50 minutes. Fuck. Um, if you listened this entire time, I deeply appreciate you. Um, if you like this episode, make sure you go to Apple podcasts and every other place where you can rate shit and give us, give us, give who the fuck is us, bitch. I'm doing this myself, me, myself and I, uh, <laughs> make sure you give me in this podcast. Um, well, it is us. It's a community. Hopefully this is budding a community, but like, make sure you give this show uh, five stars, leave a quick little review. It makes my heart happy and it helps us build our community. Um, and yeah, I will be back in roughly a week, two weeks and happy new year. Next time you'll hear my voice will be a, a new year. Hopefully if, if, you know, unless like every streaming platform is like, we cannot allow that fat black nigga to keep doing this shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, I might be dead by the next time you hear me or you might not hear me. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. 2020 is horrible. Who knows? A plane, like I said last episode, a plane could come crashing through this motherfucker and blow me the fuck up. It sure could. And it's a possibility, but who knows? Um, I'm just going to be kicking it. Um, I really am excited that this project is taking off. Like I said, I've been talking about this for weeks. So thank you for in advance. Thank you in advance. I guess you could say for your support. Uh, And yeah, 
This has been the transition period. Bye-bye.